Welcome everyone. Thanks for being at church. I'm so excited about today's message. You know what, guys? I uh, forgot my water. I just realized that here. Um, can someone give me my water real quick? I need a bottle of water while I'm... Hey, Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I can use the water. You need to no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Son of a nutcracker! Seriously, you can't just have this a little bit higher so that tall people can walk by? Oh. That just happened. Well, guess what we're talking about today? Yeah, um, some of you, you could identify with this right here. We're talking about uh, what angry or anger looks like today. Um, that's actually a type of anger that we're gonna be looking at. The Bible talks about, Bob did such a good job. The first time he did that, he scared me. I, I thought, this guy is scary looking and he was giving me these laser beam eyes like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. And I was like, I don't know what he's, uh, what he's thinking about, but I think, I don't know if he's acting, you know what I mean? He's like, he was so upset. So uh, uh, I just have a feeling the Lord's gonna move in a special way. And I wanna thank those of you who are online. Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is, you experience God in a real life-changing way right where you're at. I just believe God has a word for you. So let's pray. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. And God, by your grace, um, just take a hold of me and use me. Would you expose every heart? Would you encourage, uh, strengthen? I pray for those who are watching online. I pray that, that you meet with them, God. Truth is, Lord, all of us are, are going through a lot in life, and it's not always about the pandemic. Sometimes it's just life. So God, would you uh, just do some unearthing in, within our own souls, Lord? Do some excavating. And uh, I pray, Lord, that our character is more like yours by the end of this message. I pray, Jesus, that you are more uh, of, a, of a Lord and, and God and leader of our life by the end of this message. And uh, have your way. Holy Spirit, do your thing. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, do you know anyone who gets angry? Anyone who gets angry? Um, are you sitting by a hothead right now? Are you, and you just don't, want, don't even want to look at them right now? The hothead is like, you better not raise your hand. That's what the hothead is saying. Uh, this message series is called That Used to Be Me. And uh, um, we're, we're looking at angry or anger today. And the idea is, you know what? I used to have a bad temper. And now, um, I, 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 because I've let God have more of me, and, and now I no longer let that temper control me. I no longer, I no longer no longer do that. Um, the definition of anger I came across was this, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. That's a real broad definition of what anger is. It's a normal human emotion. We need to understand that it's a normal human emotion. Everyone experiences anger, um, but sometimes when it's out of control, you can allow anger to take a hold of you and you could say things that are destructive and you could say things that alienate those around you who love you so much. You know, words are incredibly powerful, aren't they? Your words many times will outlive 
you. Your words will outlive you. People will remember what you said. I like what Tim Keller said. He said, there are no bad emotions, but any emotion can go bad. Isn't that good? There's no bad emotions, but any emotion, if you allow it to just kind of take a hold of you, can become bad in some way. We see anger in our homes. We have husbands angry at wives, wives angry at husbands, and the cold shoulder, and we have you know, children upset at parents, and parents upset at children, and not talking to each other. We see it all over social media as well. There's like emojis now. You can communicate how you are feeling with others, and we use things like all caps and exclamation points and this kind of thing. We see anger at work. We see it all the time. Some people use their anger to manipulate others. Sometimes that happens too. We see anger in our country. We have politicians that are angry with politicians. We have red upset with blue and blue upset with red. And we have everything in between. We have government angry. We have it all, 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 all kinds of people are upset with each other. Um, in our medical world, there's about 12 definitions or different versions of, of anger. And this is, comes from uh, the, the world of psychology, and I want to share just a few of them with you. One of them is uh, passive anger. This is an anger that doesn't express, express itself as anger, but inside you're upset, and instead of talking about it, you're going to let it seep out in little ways. You know, my, my wife Grace is at a women's retreat right now, and she gave me a list of things to do in the house, and I'm angry at her. So her car needs gas, and I'm not going to put gas in her car so that on Monday morning she'll discover it, and that's my way of getting after her. You know what I mean? That's passive anger right there. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm just going to passively express my anger. I'm not really going to do that, guys. But uh, volatile anger is another one. Um, I was at, at a Chick-fil-A. We go on Saturday nights. We go somewhere to eat or something, and we stay here and hang out while, while the team does uh, all the editing, post-editing. But I went to Chick-fil-A uh, Last week or the week before, I don't remember. But while I was there, we were in the drive-thru, Grace and I, and I noticed there was something on the window. And, and some of you who were there remember this. There was something on the window, and they weren't allowing any guests to go in and eat and dine in. So this one guy walks up to the window, and no joke, I'm, I'm in my car watching him. He walks up to the window, and he reads it like this, and he's going, and he's like, <laughs> he starts cussing at the window, using all kinds of language at the window, just, <laughs> and just walks away kind of thing. And I, and I thought, wow, that's like, a, that's, that's volatile anger right there. We see it on I-25 all the time whenever someone shows you which way is heaven, that kind of thing. Uh, Pain-based anger, um, many times people are angry and it's to conceal their hurt. It's to conceal their, their pain. They don't want to talk about it, but that's what they do. Manipulative anger is used for controlling others. Some people use their anger as a control mechanism to get their way. And of course, overwhelmed anger. Have you ever felt that where you have a lot to do? And you're like, I, I, have, I have a lot to do. I don't have time for this. I was working at home today, and there's something going on with our, our washing machine and my mother-in-law was trying to wash her clothes. And this thing started beeping and beeping and beeping. 
And I'm like, I need to work on my message, and I don't have time to help her out with the beeping. And the thing just kept going on and on and on. And I thought, how ironic. God puts me through this on the day that I'm talking about anger, this overwhelming anger. In the Bible, early on, Genesis chapter 4, you read about anger. First time you see the word anger or angry in the Bible. And the story is, there's Cain and Abel, right? Sons of Adam and Eve. And one day they come and they bring their sacrifice to the Lord. And Abel, he's a shepherd. He brings uh, something, uh, one of his best from his, from, his, uh, from his livestock, from his flock. And, and he does that. Cain, he's, he's a farmer and, and he brought something to, to the Lord and, and it wasn't his best. And God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but he doesn't accept Cain's sacrifice. That's the story. And Cain gets upset. And here's the first time in scripture you see it. Verse six, the Lord asked Cain, he says, why are you, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? Isn't that a good question? Sometimes you just have to ask yourself, why am I so angry? Because dining is closed? Why? What's going on here? Why am I so angry? Because of that beep thing going on while I'm trying to do some, I have something else I want to do. And why am I so angry right now? Why did I just walk into the house and I'm angry? Why? And then he goes on to say, verse 7, he says, God tells him, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So you see this correlation all the way in Genesis chapter 4 between anger and a spiritual opposition, a spiritual consequence related to anger. Have you ever gotten angry because someone else was chosen instead of you? You ever gotten angry because God chose someone else instead of you? Cain is upset because God chose Abel instead of him. That's why he's upset. Then you hear another, I mean, there's so many stories in the Bible, guys, about anger, but Saul and Jonathan is a classic one. It's 1 Samuel chapter 20. This is the time when David is a fugitive, and, and King Saul, who's the first king of Israel, um, he is jealous, and he, he doesn't like all the attention uh, David is getting. So Saul has a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan and David are close friends, in fact, blood brothers, and, and they're accountable to each other. It's a special relationship between those two, and Saul feels like everybody's out to get him. Verse 27 says, uh, but when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse, that's David, been here for, the e for either meal, for the meal either yesterday or today? Where, where, you know, where's David at? Jonathan replied, David's earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be there, so please let me get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. In verse 30, Saul says this. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore. Wow. He swore at him. Do you think I, know, I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? 
As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. Wow, that's harsh. Have you ever heard the words of an angry person? Sometimes they come out and it surprises you. It's like in that rage, they tell you how they really feel about you or your spouse or your brother or sister or your girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever. In the middle of their rage, it comes out and it's just full of venom. It's full of venom. Incidentally, a lot of times those people, have you noticed they're also, if you bring up to them the words that came out of their mouth, they get angry again. Isn't that ironic? If you talk about what they said, they just get upset all over again. So what do we do? We just say, well, I'm not going to talk about it. But it changed the relationship. The relationship has been changed. And now you have to navigate through that. The big question is this. Why is it why is it that we hurt the ones we love and are polite to those that don't even love us? Why is it? Why is it we go home and we might be hateful and not try at home? Or, but the ones, who, the ones who don't give a rip about us, the ones who didn't say I do, the ones who aren't living with us, we're polite to them. Why is that? In the Bible, in the New Testament, there's three Greek words that uh, are used for anger, three of them. There's not 12 or 10 or seven or whatever it is. There's three of them. And I want to go over these three with you so that you understand these different types of anger. It's important for us to have a biblical view of what, uh, what anger is. The first one is called thumos, thumos. Um, <clears throat> words, and in fact, Bob demonstrated thumos anger. That's what he did. It's, it's this temper or rage. It has no self-control or discipline. It lashes out many times in an inappropriate way. It's turbulent commotion. It's the boiling agitation of feelings. It boils up and then it subsides. In fact, one of the words is, is, uh, is uh, smoke. And I get this picture of someone like smoke coming out of their ears. You know, they just get upset. And, then, and another, another, another definition is to breathe violently. Just, you know, they're just coming out of their snout kind of thing. And, and that's thumos. And you read about thumos in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and there's thumos. Uh, let's go to Gen- uh, Ephesians. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, Anger, that's thumos, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. If this is you, if you suffer from thumos, anger, Scripture says, get rid of it. Turn to the person next to you and just say, get rid of it. If you're watching online, just type it in the chat, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know what? Scripture tells us things to do. And if it says get rid of it, it means, that means you have a choice. You can get rid of it. I want, I, want to, I want you to make a vow with me right now. I want you to make a promise. You'll never say these words ever again the rest of your life. This is just the way I am. This is just the way I am. Don't blame your daddy don't blame your mama. 
Sometimes we say, oh, I have a temper just like my dad. And it's almost like a badge of honor. And, and really, it's a sign of weakness. What you're doing is you're saying, my dad had Thumos anger. He never got a hold of it. And I'm going to carry that. And I'm going to teach my children how to have Thumos anger. Look at me. I'm such a great parent. No, you're not. Thumos anger will take over you. Charles Spurgeon said, you cannot carry a bad temper into heaven. You cannot carry a bad temper into heaven. Bitterness, rage, resentment, harsh words, it's all part of Thumos. They all go together. They feed on each other. They feed on each other. If this is you, I want you to know there's a cost for having Thumos anger. There is a cost. If you go home and if you're the person who has Thumos anger, I just want you to know you are, you are destroying relationships around you. You are destroying them. And little by little, it's deteriorating. And they're putting up with you, not because you're right, not because you're loud. They just don't want to argue with you. That's the only reason why they're putting up with you. It's not because you're right or loud. <laughs> it's because you have that Thumos anger and they know you lack self-control and you don't have the ability to control your own spirit. So they leave you alone. Bitterness, rage, and resentment. You think you're stronger, but you're really, you're really weak. See, nobody wants to be touched by someone who has Thumos anger. Nobody wants to feel your touch when you have Thumos anger. There's a lack of trust. I'm not going to be open with you because I don't know what's going to set you off. I don't know if it's going to be the beeping on the washing machine or I don't know what's going to happen or you hit your head on a frame. I don't know what's going to set you off. I don't know what to expect when you come home for work. I don't know who you're going to be. I don't know if you had a great day and everybody smiled at you, so, oh, great, you're going to be, you know that's not realistic. I don't know what mood you're going to be in while you're driving in the car. So the person who lives with someone who has Thumos anger is really careful. They just don't know which side they're going to see. So if that's you, it's hurting you spiritually and emotionally, and it's also hurting those around you. Nobody wants to be touched by an angry person. The second type of Greek uh, anger that you see in the Bible in the New Testament, it's called parodgismos, parodgismos. This anger is about irritation and exasperation. So this is different from the thumos. The thumos, you just go from like, like, like here to like here. You know, you're just going boom, and you're just like, you know, you're just all over, and you're just angry. But this one, this parodgismos, this is like a, a slow smoldering irritation. It's something that just gets under your skin. You know what I'm talking about? It's something that, that you become exasperated with others. You're just annoyed. You just you get annoyed with others. You're irritated with others. You let things fester under your skin. Now this, this is, uh, we, we've all struggled with this, and this is certainly a, a type of anger, this parodgismos that I struggle with. And I have to say, why is this thing bothering me? And it just seems so small, and you let it live under you for a little bit. And the danger behind this is if you continue to let it live with you, it could be an opportunity for the devil. That's the danger 
with this type of anger. And in fact, that's why in, in chapter four of Ephesians, verse 26, he's talking about parodgismos, anger, and he says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Parodgismos. Don't let the sun go down. In other words, don't let it fester and annoy you and you go to bed with it as well. Don't let it live that long with you. Don't do that. You can do something about it. The challenge with this, depending on your personality, is our, you know, our problem is this. We could be overly confrontational and we're all up in your face, or we internalize and we don't talk about it at all. We want people to understand what we're unable to express. And that's the challenge with this. When you bottle things up and you internalize it, there's a spiritual danger to what you are doing. That's why God told Israel how to manage hurt. In Leviticus chapter 19, God tells Israel, do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your, who church, any of your, don't, don't you find it interesting that it doesn't say strangers? Don't you find that interesting? It says relatives. Because those people we live with, those people who we did not choose, can create all kinds of emotions and even angry emotions. Confront people directly. There it is. Talk about it. Go to someone. Speak truth in love. So you will not be held guilty for their sin. Talk about it. Verse 18, he says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You want to know how to please God? Here it is. The two greatest commandments. Here it is. Love God and love people. That's how you please God. You love God and you love people. It pleases God when you live that kind of life. And this anger right here, this paradigmos anger, this anger is such stealthy and it's slow and it's pet, it just festers and you, it could become a grudge very easily. It, be, it can become a, a grudge. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, he says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And I did a little research on this word foothold and, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean like something that, that has a hold of your foot. It's not necessarily what it means. What it literally means is you're giving the devil a space in your life. Like a literal space for the devil to occupy. And when you allow anger and bitterness and resentment and grudges and all that stuff, you're, you're essentially, you're, you're, like, you're like allowing the enemy to put a bookmark in your book. You know, it's, it's ta he's taking up space Right there. And, and it's, it's, it literally means an inhabited space, as in a city or a village or a district. You're allowing the enemy to live with you. You're allowing the enemy to coexist with you. Some of, some of you, some of us have been angry so long, and you're angry at someone who maybe you don't even see anymore, and you're okay with that. You're, you haven't talked to someone because you're angry at them. Or you avoid them and you're angry at them. You don't see them and you're angry at them and you're okay with that. And the danger behind that is we can convince ourselves that there's nothing wrong with that anger and I'm still a good person. There's nothing wrong with that anger, but I'm a Christian. 
There's nothing wrong, but you have to understand when God looks at us, he looks at our, our love. He, do, do you love others? Do you love specifically your enemies? Because anybody can love those who love you back. Do you love your enemies? That's the litmus test of how deep the work of the Spirit goes. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, even if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. See, you have to understand something. Spiritually speaking, what's in your heart can affect your relationship with God. What you allow inside of your heart can affect your relationship with God. It could affect your ability to hear God. It could affect God's will for your life. And here, Jesus is saying, look, if you have anger in your heart, it's right there with murder. Murder. Now, you might be saying, that's not that bad. Jesus said, you have anger in your heart. It's like murder. See, God extends grace to them, and God wants you to extend grace to them as well. I want to say this. When someone around you is angry, don't throw gasoline on it. Proverbs chapter 15 says, the gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Sometimes if someone's angry, they're just, uh, you know, the way you keep that going is by throwing some wood in the fire. And sometimes just a gentle response instead is so much more productive. Some of you are angry because you can't control others. Sometimes people are like that. You're angry because they aren't becoming who you think they should become. Thomas Akempis said this, be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Isn't that good? So don't be angry at them. Extend grace. Proverbs chapter 15 says, a hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. And Neil Anderson said, when you resort to shouting in conflict, you're reacting in the flesh. You've lost control of the only person you can control, yourself. You're the only one that you can control. And then there's a warning for friends. Proverbs chapter 20 says, 22 says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. When you hang out with a hot-tempered person and you get really close to them, eventually you'll pick up their anger. You don't want to live like that. Here's the good anger, the Greek word here. This is the third anger that you find in the Bible. It's called orge, orge. It means a righteous anger a righteous passion. It's an abiding and settled habit of the mind that is aroused only under certain conditions. It's guided by reason. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the instruction is be angry and yet do not sin. There's a time to be angry. Absolutely, there's a time to be angry. But this is a controlled anger. This is driven by your spirit. The Spirit of God. 
and not by your flesh. Completely different. The Bible gives us permission to be angry. In fact, you read some examples in Matthew chapter 3. It says, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? That's godly anger. Romans chapter 12 says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. But the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And in Mark chapter 3, Jesus looked around at them angrily. There it is right there. And was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Jesus got angry because of their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. There's an expectation you find in scripture related to this orge, anger. And the expectation is the godly will hate anything ungodly. That's the expectation. That the righteous will actually hate and be angry against anything unrighteous. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about sin. There's this expectation that the Christian will love God and hate that sin. And truthfully, if you give it a little bit of thought, love and hate go together. They go, they go together. Because if you really love God, you will eventually hate the things that will rip you away from God. If you really love God's word, you'll eventually hate things that will try to take you away from spending time in God's word. Love and hate go together in, in very, very close ways. Psalm chapter four says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. That's someone who's in, in control of their spirit. And James chapter one, James helps us out. He's such a practical writer. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what church should be quick to listen, and what? Slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's say that one more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Much of our anger comes from being self-centered and not being other-centered. Much of our anger comes from being self-centered. When we're self-centered, all we care about is ourselves. When we're self-centered, it's all about our agenda. When we're self-centered, it's all about how you make me feel. When we're self-centered, our eyes are on ourselves. And that's all we're looking at. But quick to listen is a way to be other-centered. Quick to listen is a way to be others-centered. Slow to speak, as hard as it is for some of you is a way to be others-centered. I mean, the ability to listen and not think about what you're going to say while they're talking is a real skill. It's a learned attribute. I'm going to listen. I'm gonna put myself in your shoes for a little bit. I just wanna listen. Don't be self-centered. Be others-centered. See, human anger, and verse 20 said, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce that righteousness that God desires. So human anger is driven by the flesh. Righteous anger is driven by the Spirit of God. Completely different. 
righteous anger. Let me say it this way, and I've said this before, you don't need to attend every argument you're invited to. It's okay. You don't have to do that. Proverbs talk about slow to anger. He says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Another word for folly is foolishness. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. He who is slow to anger, Proverbs chapter 16 says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Isn't that beautiful? He who rules, or she, who rules their spirit than he who captures the city. You know, I, a, few, uh, a few years ago, I, 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 talked, I did some research on anger, and I shared this many years ago. Some of you remember this, but um, um, there's something known as an amygdala hijack. You guys remember that? An amygdala hijack. I had so many people tell me this helped them. But amygdala hijack, uh, it, it came from a neurosurgeon named Ledeau, and he did this study on anger, this neurosurgeon. And he looked at the way uh, the brain processes rage and fear and, and, and all those things. And, and he discovered that it all directly goes to the amygdala. So amygdala hijack is that moment when you become angry. It's like me working on my message and that stupid thing is beeping over and over and over again. And I don't want to get, uh, this is not my agenda. This is not what I planned out or whatever it is. Or you show up to Chick-fil-A and it's closed or whatever. And you see that, you know, at that moment. And the interesting part is this researcher said, there's something known as a life-giving quarter second. A life-giving quarter second that God has given you. It's that quarter second that's long enough to say or decide how you're going to respond. Something happens unexpected. It's that life-giving quarter second, and you could, decide, you could decide how you're going to respond. Like someone says a word to you that's just a little bit below the belt or uncalled for or inappropriate, you have that quarter second that you can think, how am I going to respond to that word that was just, just came out of that person's mouth? What am I going to say? How am I going to respond to that incident or that whatever event? How am I going to respond to that? Scripture says, be angry. But be angry about the things that God is angry about. Be angry about those things. Be angry about uh, when, when there's injustice. Be angry about that. Be angry when there's hate. Be angry about that. Be angry when God is mocked. Be angry about that. Be angry when the house of the Lord is neglected. Be angry about that. Be angry when there's unfaithfulness. Be angry when there's a lie. Be angry when there's cheating. Be angry when, when the, the church is overlooked. Or be angry when the devil gets a hold of a life. Be angry about that. Be angry when God's word is twisted. And, and, and be angry about that. Be angry when you sin. Say, I'm not going to let that sin get the best of me. Be angry when you need more workers for the harvest. Be angry. Psalm 103. Here's the inside of the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. There it is. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Filled with unfailing love. That's your God. He is slow to get angry. And he wants to put his spirit inside of you. He wants to put his presence inside of you. Well, let me just say this. The only way you could be slow to angry is if you allow God 
to change your heart. It's the only way it's gonna happen because it's gonna be a lot of willpower without that and you're gonna fail really quickly. Maybe by the time you get to the car, by the time you stop watching this video, but you need the Holy Spirit to do some surgery, to take out your heart of stone and put a, a heart of flesh. You need a new heart, a heart where Jesus is the center of it, where the Spirit of God is the center of it. You need God to do work in your heart. That's the only way you'll be able to sustain this life. It's the only way. And then you leave a new trail of words. New trail of words. There's some people <clears throat> that just live with a low-level anger all the time. You know what I'm talking about? They just have a low-level anger that they've learned to coexist with. And you know it, and it's not fun for anyone around them. They just live like that. God doesn't want you to live like that. God wants your heart to be completely free from bitterness and rage, all of those things. When I was in, 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 in uh, middle school and high school, I had a terrible temper. Anybody identify with that? I used to just get angry so quickly. In fact, when I was in middle school, I, would, I, I got in trouble because I got in a lot of fights middle school. And I was the guy who just, that quick, just get angry. Truth is, I had a lot of pain and hurt inside of me. I had a lot of pain and hurt inside of me. And it was just a time for it to manifest. But when Jesus got a hold of my life, all of a sudden he did a new work inside of me. And it takes longer for me to get angry. And it's more intentional now. It's more purposeful now. It's, it's in control. At least that's my desire. Sometimes I mess up. So I'm not perfect by any stretch. But it's certainly different from the days when I didn't know Jesus. Glory to God. You have a God who's able to change any heart. So God can help you with this. Your words can become redemptive and encouraging to others. Your words can lift up others. Your words can draw people closer to Jesus. Your words can bring healing and you can build others up with your words when you allow God to change your heart. I like what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. This is what God wants. He wants all of us to worship God in the house of the Lord. Pray with holy hands lifted up, free from anger and controversy. That's the will of God. God wants you to live like that. Well, I just have a feeling. I know this is a hot topic, and I can't tell you how many times people said, anger, that's me. <laughs> that's the one I need to be at. That's the one I need help with. All of us need the grace of God. All of us, starting with me more than anyone else. I want to give you an opportunity, and right where you're at, I want to invite you to just let God change your heart. Can you do that? Let God change your heart. Those around you will thank you for you making this decision. They will thank you because you've allowed God to do a work inside of you. Some of you need God to do some healing work or whatever, but God can do that. He can change every heart. Don't have the heart of Saul. Don't have the heart of Cain. Don't have that heart. Have a heart that's consumed by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, I've done my best to 
preach your word about anger. Right now, God, I want to lift up my, my friend, my brother, or my sister that's watching online. And if that's you and you need God to do a work inside of you, would you just say, God, start with me. Change my heart. If you're here in the house and, and the Lord has spoken to you, maybe you need to say, God, change my heart. Holy Spirit, change me. Maybe your first prayer needs to be, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Take control of me. God, thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I'm so grateful, God, that you are slow to anger. I'm so grateful for that. And God, I, we just need you. Thank you, God, for your, your mercy and your grace. I pray, Lord, that we uh, learn to live with this, this gay anger. And we are, are, uh, are, are like the one who rules the city. We can manage our spirit. So, Lord, create hearts and minds that are slow to anger. And may we be angry about the things that make you angry, God. Give us a new passion for you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.